Relevant content for our members by our members. This is TMC Connect. Well, I think we'll get started here, right? At one o'clock. Again, this is Faith Howard Mooney, VP of Member Engagement from the Mortgage Collaborative. And this is the last today. I have with me today Stan Foraker, who is the EVP of Mortgage Lending at First Commonwealth Bank. He is also a lender member who is on our board, which we love, and he co-chairs our community bank advisory panel. Stan, thanks for doing this with me. Hi, Faith. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So let's get started. A lot going on in mortgage um, in the last couple of weeks, right over the holiday weekend. Um, One of those things that's happening is lots of mortgage industry folks out there forecasting what they think the year is, this crazy year is going to look like. You want to share with me what kind of you're seeing from your seat? Yeah, you know, it's funny. I I think you could swing uh, Rob Christman's cat Myrtle in almost any direction and hit a mortgage expert right now. By the way, that cat has to be like 100 years old, something like that, because that cat's been around forever. But really, there are mortgage experts on every corner, including the guy that was three booths away from me at first watch the other day when I was having breakfast, who apparently had read a couple of Twitter threads and decided he was also a mortgage market expert. So uh, lots of conversation about what's happening in mortgage. I, you know, it's hard for me to say the words out loud, but I've finished my 39th year and I started my 40th year in the mortgage business. And what I do recognize is that we're in another cycle. Um, one one of many over the years, it, it'll work its way out over time. I know that doesn't bring a lot of comfort to people today, all of us who are running a business, but um, the business is going to be lumpy at times. And that's just what we're seeing right now. I, I, I would tell you, Faith, that um, I have to say, I, Logan Motoshami over at Housing Wire, um, I find to be typically pretty thoughtful and <laughs> shockingly for an analyst, he's he's right a lot. And um, maybe I like him because I think he agrees with me uh, frequently. But um, if I were to summarize his take on the year, and, and it coincides with mine, it's that 2023 is not going to look anything like 2008. And I think that's been a fear for a lot of folks. Um I think Logan characterized 2022 as savagely unhealthy for the mortgage market or the housing market. But again, he and others would point out the comparisons between now and the crisis in 2007, 2008 are not similar. And I I know we're not here necessarily to promote housing wire, but um, I have no objection to promoting housing wire. They also had recently uh, what I thought was a worthwhile podcast. Logan and several other folks were on it, um, talking about their assessment of where this year, probably next year, will go. And I I think um, there were some good things there. It's probably worthwhile for everybody to take a look at it. I, I, you know, Lisa Sturdivant, who's another person I think is pretty thoughtful, um, she would say um, this is going to be a normalized year, albeit slower than some. The seasonality will kick in a little bit. I mean, it has kicked in to a certain extent. But even that's muted a little bit. If I had to predict something, Faith, based on my experience, I think with home prices moderating uh, to a certain extent and with um, rates 
probably going to settle in this 100 basis point window between high fives and high sixes. I think eventually we're going to have an intersection of, of buyers and sellers that'll start to really move the market a little bit. We're already seeing purchase activity pick up a little bit. Um, we do we do as an industry um, have to do what we can to mute the headlines a little bit. And what I mean by that is every time somebody says it's the highest ever or significant increase or significant decrease or record setting, they use those phrases. We in the industry have to be sure that we um, communicate to everyone what the real detail is behind those movements. And we have to articulate the magnitude and the impact of those statements so we can inform borrowers, potential borrowers, what the market's really like. So that was kind of a long-winded answer to your short question. But um, all in all, I think 2023 will be a lot like 2018 um, with rates in these fives and sixes and some muting of home prices and oh, by the second half of the year, I think sellers will start to come out of the, out of the uh, woodwork a little bit more. So, love the headlines. They are. We need to remind ourselves that they are just that. They're headlines to try to capture people's attention. Um, words like crisis always seem to just like it just eats at me just a little bit. It's like, well, I'm not quite sure I agree with that, but they are just headlines. Um, so our focus in this segment has usually been things that have happened recently, things happening in the last week. Um, share with me kind of like what has grabbed your attention in the last week or two that you've seen? You know, in, in between um, watching and re-watching Jim Park's masterpiece, Alien Strain, which I recommend to everybody, you know, make sure you get out on, on uh, Amazon and look that up. I, I saw... a. a interview with Matt Rocco, uh, National MBA's chairman this year. Um, and he, Matt, uh, in this interview, used the phrase recalibrating uh, several times throughout the interview. And he just kept talking about recalibrating. Lisa Sturdivant, who I mentioned earlier, also used the term, she used the term rebalancing. Whether it's recalibrating, resetting, or rebalancing, I think that's the thing I'm seeing, and we're all seeing right now in the last week to the last month or two, the last six months, frankly, is as the industry has contracted a little bit, there's been some recalibration. Um, I mean, you see it in you see it in headlines too, like Lone Store um, purchasing home points wholesale business. Um, you see it in lesser headlines like layoffs in companies. Um, it, even though there are some bright spots, I think you pointed out to me that kind lending. Uh, has uh, approached some of their folks they laid off last year about bringing them back. I guess I guess that speaks to the name of their company, right? So, um, so everybody's trying to figure out, yeah, right. So they're trying to figure out efficiencies. They're trying to rebalance, repurpose, recalibrate. I, that's a headline, or that's a an undertone, not a headline. It's an undertone in the industry. And I saw it last week. I saw it last month. I saw it the last six months. I think we're going to see. It, more of that in the days ahead. So, um, Conversation that we've had in a number of different places, but would love to get your take on it. Um, what do you think about the delay in the GSEs implementing the more restrictive LLPAs? Is that a good thing? And what do you think is going to happen next? Yeah, I, I definitely think it's a good thing, but I don't think the work's done. Um, as, as you know, Faith, 
uh, TMC authored a letter to FHFA to express the sentiment that this strategy, this LLPA strategy, if finally implemented as originally proposed, would probably be detrimental to the overall mission of the GSEs. And, and it would have, we believe, a very negative impact on housing and, and uh, households for the foreseeable future. So frankly, I don't know if there's anybody listening or 100 people listening, but regardless, um, every single person listening today or next week or next month should be active in working against these restrictions. And frankly, every TMC member should use um, this opportunity to contact Director Thompson and express concern about these LLPAs. So the work's not done. Thanks to Mike Metz and Jody Hall and others who contributed to that letter that came out of TMC. Um, I do think Director Thompson is thoughtful and um, interested in serving well. And so she listens, and I think that's good. Um, As you know, Chris Dickerson, a senior advisor there, came to our last conference was, very, again, also very receptive to feedback. So um, advocacy for the business is very important and for the industry. And uh, this work around LLPAs is a really critical piece of the of the puzzle. Agree. And agree that it does appear right now that we do have people who are listening, which I think is um, our lender members see that as a very, very um pleasant uh, change. At least people are listening um, at this point. So I agree with that um, completely. Um, The markets that you serve, you are a lender in the Midwest. Um, What are you seeing around home prices where you're at? We're seeing a lot of news, you know, coastal places, like a big difference between the two, but I would love to just get your feedback on where you're at in the markets you're in. What are you seeing? Yeah, I know some of my uh, friends in the industry who are national um, probably see greater swings in valuations than I see. We're predominantly Pennsylvania and Ohio and surrounding states. So uh, um, what I again, I mentioned this earlier, I see a little bit of moderation in home prices, a little decline. The data says home prices have declined, generally speaking, around the country. but on the ground, in our markets, at 400000 and up, um, homes that are good are still going very quickly and at full price and sometimes still more with escalator clauses. So the data doesn't lie nationally, but I think regionally you're going to see still pockets of resistance to declining home prices. And that's then... Um, with the supply issues that already exist, that's really creating a problem. I I, I really um, am finding that the one thing that's changed since maybe 2020 and 2021 is that if you see a house now that's on the market for, I don't know, a very an extended period of time, now folks are starting to say, what's wrong with it? <laughs> because that's very unusual, right? So it's sort of a, it's sort of an oddity that we're kind of back to those days. But but really, quality houses are still going very, very quickly, and um, and so we're we're while we're seeing the prices come down, um, it's not dramatic uh, at this point. So, thank you. Yep, go ahead. I thought I thought you were on mute there for a minute, Steve. Sorry. No, sorry about that. Um, the MBA this week reported declining applications for the first time in five weeks. And again, headline, 
Um, I don't always want to believe those. So we'd love to just know from you as one of our great lender members in our network, kind of what your team is experiencing related to that. So, you know, if you hang in there for a bit, you're going to see some lumpy application numbers for sure. Um, and with rates that have been bouncing around, um, we've been kind of steady, but not great. Um, again, I would say we look like 2018 kind of pace, uh, maybe late 2019 and or rather early 2019. Um of course, predominantly purchase, and some weeks are better than others, but uh, we have seen a decline in construction activity. Um, we're down about 25% year over year, March over March, and uh, I think that's consistent in the industry right now and uh, the construction space. Um, frankly, my sense with the construction piece, the apps being down there, it's really more an issue of... Um, Regulatory burden on the builders, cost of development, labor supply issues, um, and and all of that impacts consumer sentiment. And so folks are maybe a little more hesitant to build, uh, particularly when in 21, it seemed like it took forever to get a home built. You thought it was going to get built in 10 months and it took 14 or, you know, it was tough, 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 tough. And I, so, um so the application count, while I'm concerned about it, I will tell you it's been steady for six weeks, even in this, in, even in the face of some lumpy um, rate activity. And um, I'm I'm fairly convinced, and I don't see anything in the data that tells me anything different, that rates are going to stay in that high fives to high sixes for a period of time. And um, you know we'll get the CPI information tomorrow. But I think the market's already built in what they're going to do with that. That's my opinion. So um, so I don't expect any big move unless the data comes out dramatically different than expectations. So um, in our different types of conversation, good thing to have happen, mission of um, the GSEs as well. Um, what do you, what, any suggestions, I know there's no easy answers, but any suggestions, um, on what you think the industry can do in regards to affordable housing? Yeah, Faith, I'm, I'm pretty passionate about this. And, um, I think I've told this story. I don't know if I told it on this, in this forum before, but, um, I sit on the board of Habitat Pittsburgh. And a few years ago, my very first home dedication as a board member was to a young woman, single mom, two kids. And um, during the home dedication, we found out that she was the first person in the entire history of her family and extended family to ever own a home. And her grandfather was over in the corner with tears running down his face. And while I understood intellectually that those kinds of things, that that, that happened in families and that, that that issue existed in families and that there were lots of families who had not had an opportunity to create wealth through homeownership, that was the first time I felt it empirically. Because when you see this gentleman weeping because his granddaughter is the first person to own a home. And by the way, 
that changes the trajectory of the lives of her two kids forever compared to what others have done, right? So, so Habitat's a good example of organization that produces affordable housing and makes it available to folks. So I'm very passionate about affordable housing. And I think um, the industry can is doing a better job of addressing this. I think it's front and center like it's never been before. MBA, uh, MBA has a program called Convergence. Uh, Convergence is taking place in three cities currently, and I think they're about to announce a fourth. I won't spill the beans, but Convergence, uh, MBA's Convergence program exists in Memphis, in Columbus, uh, Columbus, Ohio, home of the Buckeyes, and uh, newly introduced in Philadelphia. And again, there's going to be a fourth one, I think, announced fairly soon. And Columbus Convergence um, uh, convergence in those cities is really an effort to bring together all the stakeholders that are involved in housing, whether it's a community development organization, whether it's a builder, whether it's a, a lender, whether it's um, 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 municipalities, all the folks that could be involved and work together to figure out what the barriers are, how to eliminate those, how to um, find ways to create synergy to make it easier for people to um, figure out what's available to them. There are lots of resources today, frankly, in almost every city for down payment assistance, closing cost assistance, um, low cost financing, expanded credit box. There are more and more SPCPs being developed in markets, special purpose credit programs. Um, that make it available. And it's just a matter of education and getting the information out to people. So what the industry can do is continue to support all those kinds of efforts, whether it's something like national MBA's convergence programs in your city, or it's a matter of developing expanded credit box programs, uh, making sure you're able to educate consumers, particularly LMI consumers um, on programs that are available. And, um, I, the other thing I'd say, Faith, is what the industry can do around affordable housing is th there's a paradigm that has to shift. And that is we're in a business, we're, we're a for-profit business, but we're also a service business. And when you're a for-profit business in the mortgage business, if it doesn't close in 30 to 45 days, we feel like that's a bad thing because we're not making money, right? So we have to in affordable housing, we have to adopt a more patient approach because a lot of these folks, not all, but many of these folks need a longer period of time to resolve credit issues, to walk through some of the verification process, particularly if they're first-time home buyers, it's a new thing to them. So that notion that we got to close it in 30, 45 days, it might be six months. And that requirement for more patience requires a commitment on the part of the lender to hang in there and work with the borrower that long. And then when you compound that by pairing them with some of these programs that are available, every, every DAP program out there, you've got to, there's paperwork, right? So getting through the paperwork and getting through the process and, and helping individuals uh, navigate that process is a big effort. So, so, Last year, um, when I was president of the Ohio Mortgage Bankers Association, 
we introduced for the first time an affordable housing conference. It was very well attended. And our focus really was education. It's it's not a lack of resources. It's just helping people understand how to find it, how it applies to them, and how they can go about obtaining those oper- uh, those opportunities. So um, I think there's never been, frankly, a better time to be a new, air quotes, homeowner. Um, but we have to change the perception in the industry that if you can't close in 30 days, we don't want to work with you. So. Community First Working Group, it meets monthly. Um, Stan and his team, who are very versed in this topic and do a great job in their communities, are um, part of that particular group. Would love for anyone and everyone to join us related to that. And there's also a 2022 Humda Data Insights that iEmergent is putting on for us. Ashley was so kind to um, drop those um, in the chat for us so that we can um, see those and you guys can pick up the registration from there if you're interested. Um, In this conversation related to affordable housing often comes up the topic of inventory. Inventory is a serious issue right now. I think everybody would agree in almost every market. um, what do you think um, we could do to help with the, uh, there's no easy answer to inventory, right? No. But what do you think yeah. the industry can do um, that would assist with some of, of those concerns and things going on with lack of inventory? You know, Faith, I, this is one of the uh, most stubborn of difficulties in housing right now is inventory. and. We talk about it a lot. It's tough to come up with good solutions, frankly. Uh, Like I said, sellers are a little hesitant right now, even though they might have an interest in moving, they're they're a little concerned, right? Because again, houses in a certain price range and above that have any kind of quality to them are going very quickly still and above and and at premium prices. So anyways, so sellers are, are a little hesitant right now. So inventory is an issue there. And then, you know, I, I feel for first-time home buyers because to buy a so-called starter home almost feels impossible to me in the sense of price range. And if we start saying that starter homes are above $250,000, even for, I mean, I've been around a while, but that's still sticker shock for me as a first-time home buyer, you know, for a first-time home buyer. So I, the only thing we've been able to come up with, and it's not a perfect solution, is that we all have to be active in working with housing agencies, working with our local municipalities, the land banks. If you're not engaged with those folks, you're not helping be part of the solution. And helping broker partnerships. Again, I'll go back to Habitat as an example. Our Pittsburgh Habitat does a great job working with the land trust and others in that market. And there are opportunities, but we've got to we've got to be the brokers of those relationships and those partners because we know all the players. Again, back to convergence, MBA's convergence. That's what they've attempted to do is get everybody who's a stakeholder talking to each other instead of everybody being siloed. So um, it's not a great answer <laughs> because there is no great answer. Um, 
inventory is a serious issue. And I mentioned this in the construction piece also. Um, it's tough on builders and to get ground and develop the ground and the regulatory. I mean, at, at TMC's conference, we had the, the uh, uh, National Association of Home Builders president there. And he talked again about the regulatory burden and the cost of new construction, not to mention their labor issues, among other things. So it's tough. Um, it's really tough to create housing fast enough to meet the demands we need. And then to do it in the price range that starts the cycle normally from a first-time home buyer all the way through that retirement buyer. And sitting in the middle of a boom. I mean, we're, our community is in the middle of a boom market. We still, if you want to buy a house, you're at least nine months out due to some of the municipality issues. Yeah. And for our first home home buyer to buy a home. Here in the suburban area of Minneapolis, that number is close to starting with a four. Um, yeah. Just seems mm -hmm. crazy, um, yeah. but it is what it, I mean, it kind of is what it is, even though we're in the Midwest. And so, and, yeah, there is an issue with no the, easy answer. There is no easy answer. And in the outer rim of our larger cities, it's it's probably above that. I mean, it's really, it's around the country. It's it's a significant issue right now, so. Uh, kind of crazy, kind of mm -hmm. crazy. Um, there are all kinds of people trying to do some unique and innovative things related to housing. Um, I know that we had both looked at some articles this week about, you know, parking garages being converted into housing in some of the cities because of remote work and the, a lot of them being empty. Um, golf courses being modified, um, one of the alternative forms of housing that we've heard a lot about out there are ADUs. Um, right. You know, what do you what do you think about some of those things that are going on? You know, I I, I applaud the effort and I understand it. You know, ADUs, for instance, um, in urban areas um, makes I mean, I understand it because there's just such a heavy need and um, you need more density. And that's one of the ways to get more density. I, But I don't think it's a long-term solution across the country. Um, and and I think things like turning parking garages into um, housing are uh, trendy and kind of a fad. And again, I applaud the effort but I don't follow fads and I haven't in my 39 years. If I did, I'd still be wearing platform shoes or something. And um, so I, I I do think we're going to see more heightened activity around um, multifamily because density is the only way you can really deal with the profitability issue for those that are developing, right? They've got, because of the cost to build, they've got to have density that's why you see uh, it, it's it's really the only answer to the regulatory cost, the the government headwinds in the supply realm. I mean, it's just on and on. So multifamily, I think, is going to grow. I think we're seeing that already, and it sort of shows up, by the way, in the cost of rent as we see data coming from uh, many sources about the you know, pretty dramatic increase in rentals right now. Um, that's reflective of that very issue. So I I think. Um, I think alternative forms of housing are a fad. I think they are um, 
specific to certain markets or, or situations, again, like urban areas, I just don't know that it's a long-term solution. But again, back to inventory and supply, I don't have a great answer. And I don't think there are great answers right now. Um, Derek, uh, thanks for the comment out there. He um, agrees with you completely, Stan, in that ADU and parking garage conversions make good headlines, um, but they're not necessarily solutions uh, to the challenges that we that we have related to that. We are almost at the end of the hour. One last thing that I would love to just get your feedback on while we have you today. Um, any thoughts at all on the CFPB non-bank registry rule and MBA's response to that? Yeah, very quickly, without getting into the weeds and we don't have time anyhow, um, yeah. I, I would agree with MBA's position, and this is my paraphrase, that it would be doubling regulation and really unnecessary. Um, it wouldn't have the positive impact on consumers that they imply that it would. And so, um, I mean, regulators exist to regulate. I mean, that's why they're there. And so no one should be surprised when they want to double down. But I think MBA's position was right. And um, and I support it. Yep. Stan, it is always a delight for us to have you. You've um, come to our rescue many times. Your team is awesome in helping out others within the TMC family. So thank you very much for doing this with me today. Thanks, Faith. Have a good day, everyone. For more information about how you can get involved with TMC Connect and witness the power of the network firsthand, please visit us at mortgagecollaborative.com.